So I got a call late yesterday afternoon, and the pastor's under the weather, and uh, she had tried several lay speakers in the um, in our district to see if someone would come and be able to lead worship, and and you know last minute they were not available, and she uh, texted me and said, "Is there any way?" And of course, you know, I step to the plate and say, "Absolutely, I'll do it." She said, I have my sermon, so you can read my sermon. Unless you have something else up your sleeve. No, not that late do I have some. I mean, I'm, I, I'm pretty good at, at swinging when I need to, but uh, no, not this time. So this is uh, the pastor's thought on, um, on our James series that we have been discovering and, and leading through. Remember, this is not mine, okay? So, three pastors <laughs> go out in a boat to fish. After Stop me if you've heard this. After several hours of quiet trolling, the one pastor breaks the silence with a confession. Brothers, he said, I am sure why I am moved to, con I'm not sure why I'm moved to confess this to you today, but Something is weighing heavily on my spirit, and I need to tell someone. I've developed a problem, a habit. I've been gambling, and it seems that it's gotten hold of me. It is a problem. In the quiet that follows this confession, the second pastor says, well, if we're confessing our problems to one another, I have to admit, I've been drinking alcohol. In fact, I've been drinking a little too much alcohol lately. It is a problem, a bad habit. The three pastors drifted along for a couple of minutes in the silence, and finally the second pastor turned to the third and said, my brother and I have confessed our problems and our bad habits. Don't you have anything to say? The third pastor paused for a moment and said, well, I have to admit that I have developed quite the sinful habit of sharing gossip, and I can't wait to get off this boat. Apparently, that third pastor didn't know that loose lips sink ships. That is an old joke that has made several rounds several times, but it speaks to an issue that, that we all have fallen into. Having those lips, or even worse, speaking harmful words. Our scripture reading today is full of wisdom and a word of warning. The word from James being, begins teaching us from the first line that we read today, from verse 2. For all of us make many mistakes. I can take that sentence two ways. A word of reassuring grace that I will make many mistakes in my lifetime. Hopefully, as I grow and mature, I will make less and less mistakes. But I will make many mistakes. Secondly, not only will I make my mistakes in life, all of us will make many mistakes. If I read this sentence as a reminder to me that I will make mistakes, and when I do, I pray for God to correct me and to guide me in how to grow in maturity and grow closer to God. And I know that God's grace is for me. 
just those moments when sin comes freely flowing across my lips. So if I ask God to cover my many mistakes in grace, how do I handle others when they make their many mistakes? Do I offer grace? Do I take an understanding posture when I witness one of these many mistakes? And if I feel the Holy Spirit led to speak to the offender about their mistake, do I handle it with care, with kid gloves, with grace? So often we will accept grace for our many mistakes, but hold back extending grace to others. The third pastor in the joke did just that. He was made aware of the sins of the first two, his friends, his brothers in Christ. They came to him in a vulnerable state, and he saw the gravity of the sin they were confessing, and he acknowledged his own sinful habits of gossiping, which, by the way, we don't always think of as a sin. Even though God didn't qualify sin, we tend to. Surely gossip isn't as bad as gambling and drinking too much, right? Who doesn't share a little bit of gossip? At one time or another, we have all been anxious to get off the boat and spill what we have heard, what we've been told. Scripture tells us that sin is anything that separates us from the will of God. God's punishment for different sins may vary, but every sin separates us from the will of God. So every piece of juicy gossip spread separates us from the will and the presence of God. And we've been extended grace to cover all of our sins. But how we cheapen that grace when we blatantly and repeatedly choose to sin. Grace is not a get-out-of-jail-free card. Grace comes with the expectations that we will continue to try to do better, to learn more, and to draw even closer to the examples of Christ. And as we continue to try, and as we continue to make mistake after mistake, we continue to learn to lean into God's grace and ask God's Holy Spirit to help us. And the word from James explains why it is so important that we continue to grow with the Holy Spirit. In the next several verses of our Bible lesson this morning, James writes about the power of the one muscle in our of one of our muscles in our body, our tongue. And if you stop and take a look at the verse, there's some scary stuff. James writes that the tongue is a fire. And immediately, I thought of the tongues of fire that settled over the heads of the disciples on Pentecost. Tongues of fiery Holy Spirit rested over their heads of those who were called to set the world on fire with the gospel. These tongues of fire, which appeared in the swirling winds of God, would light the sparks that would spread Christianity like a revival fire across the land. And here in this world, we read in verse 6 that the tongue stains the body, sets fire to life itself, and is set on fire by hell. So that same tongue that would light the world on fire for Christ can also be light, can be lit, can light the flames of hell to destiny. Verse 8 says that our tongues are restless evil, full of deadly poison. This is a feel-good read, isn't it? 
And then there's a sentence that truly gets me, verse 9. With our tongues, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people in the likeness of God. The same tongue that praises God, that prays to God, that honors God, that professes Jesus as the King and the Holy Spirit as wonder, that same tongue curses people, yells and terrorizes, calls people names, slanders others, destroys spirits, make others feel stupid with our superior knowledge, having all the answers, and setting itself on fire. Sometimes our, heart, our tongues choose silence to separate us, to segregate us. I'm not speaking to those people. God gave us a gift, the ability to speak, to reach others through our words, to let our words be the witness to the goodness of God. Proverbs 18 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. We hold one another's spiritual life, one another's very soul, not in the strength of our arms, but in the weaknesses of our tongue. There are warnings about our tongues all through Proverbs, all through the wisdom scriptures. Proverb 21, how he would guard his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from trouble. And Proverbs 11, they sharpen their tongues as a serpent. Poison of a viper is under their lips. The word of God himself, Jesus, got to the heart of the matter when he called the Pharisees a brood of vipers. He gave them a reality check, a heart check. And then he said, how can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored in him. Your mouth gives your heart its words. What you feel in your heart eventually comes out of your mouth. You may be able to conceal it for a while, but not for always. Eventually, something will happen, and, and all of the angry thoughts that dwell in your heart and mind will spill from your lips. That is why Jesus tells us to get our hearts right, because we will be judged upon our words. We will feel the damage done by what we have said to others. No longer will our poison tips of our words be pointed out, ready to hurt others. Instead, we will experience the pain brought by them. Is it all worth it? Is the momentary joy of feeling righteous, feeling right, feeling superior, feeling like we knew something about somebody else worth the damage done by our words? Is it worth the short-lived release of anger that we feel when we let, lash out at someone else to know those fiery words that you just said to another also fell on God's ear? Is it worth it to know that you just took a verbal shot at another human being who bears the likeness of Christ and the very spirit of God? I get it. People are frustrating. There are many times during the day when we would be seemingly justified in our angry words. But we have a choice to make. We can be righteous in our anger. We can be right in the moment. We can share the juicy gossip we heard. We can choose to use the fire of our words to bring fire down on someone else. 
or we can choose Jesus. I don't want you to misunderstand me, Christians. Choosing Jesus doesn't mean that we take abuse. What we choose to be, that we choose to be doormats and accept the poor boundaries of others. No. Choosing Jesus means that we tap into the spirit in us and we'll fight to help evil and injustice by proclaiming a gospel of change and then working towards that change. Jesus did not accept the wrongs of the world. He took them on. He ultimately overcame them. He did not stand by and let the wrongs prevail. He spoke against evil doings and evil doers. He flipped the tables on those who would block access to grace and forgiveness. He called false teachers a group of vipers. He even recognized evil in his own disciples. But he never lost control of himself. He never lost control of the fire that his tongue could bring. What would Jesus be like if he lived in this world today? Would he be a commentator on a 24-hour news network? Or would he be a disaster relief worker? Would Jesus sit in a corporate boardroom or even a church board meeting? Or would Jesus sit with the lonely kid in the middle of the school lunchroom? Where would we find Jesus in the world today? Behind a keyboard, fighting the good fight with a stroke of the keys, or fighting hunger in the serving line of a soup kitchen, or hanging mittens on a free giveaway tree in the winter. In the biggest fight, a literal fight for his life, Jesus chose to use no words, only actions. When they asked him if he was the king of the Jewish people, if he was the Messiah, there was only silence. When they harassed him, beat him, taunted him with their own words, Jesus chose to speak through the mighty work of his resurrection. We have a choice. We will choose to war with our words or we will choose to fight for the gospel. We will choose to speak life into others. There is a song called Speak Life. It's by Toby Mack. It speaks to the power of our words. In the song's lyric, it says, it's amazing how we turn a heart through the words we say. Mountains can crumble with every syllable. Hope can live or die. To speak life, speak life. To the deadest dark night, so speak life. When the sun won't shine and you don't know why, look into the eyes of the brokenhearted. Watch them come alive as soon as you speak hope. You speak love. You speak life. We were gifted with the very breath that we breathe, with the air that fills our lungs, and with the tongues that we possess. We were gifted with the ability of, to use our tongues of fire to spread the gospel, just as they did in the early church. We are gifted with the ability to speak life. We are also gifted with the free will to use our tongues of fire to spread hurt and hate and harm to others. Let us choose wisely. Choose Jesus. And all God's people said, Amen. Um, we have a praise song, Great Are You, Lord.